My guest today is Robert Green. He is the area director for the Okoye Region FCA. He's been in that role for 10 years. He served with the U.S. Army Green Berets. Shortly after his military stint, he joined the ministry, and God has used him to transform countless lives because of his commitment and his character in the acts of service and faith. With a staff of nine, they reached 26 schools in four counties. He additionally serves as the region number eight FCA International Task Force that serves East Africa. He and his wife, Teresa, are actually world changers if you know them. And if you don't know them, stick around on this episode. You will enjoy this conversation with my guest, Robert Green. Robert, welcome to Servecast. Man, I'm glad you joined us today. How you doing? Man, it's great to be here, William. So so excited about uh, all that you're doing with podcasting now and some yeah. of the message you're putting out there. It's great to be with you. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, and I mentioned earlier on that you're my friend. And I think the reality is that you're my friend because actually you would call me your friend as well. It's kind of cool, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely, man. So let's talk about Green Beret and Marine Corps. We're not even going to like dig into that, but you know, we're two vets that are enjoying this life. And so thank you, first of all, for your service to our country and time well spent back in those days. Yeah, I always tell uh, a lot of times talking with football players and in the role of fellowship of Christian athletes, I'll, you know, they'll go at it and I say, listen, uh, you may wear a different colored jersey, but at the end of the day, um, all right, and, and have different mascots, but at the end of the day, you're brothers. Yeah. And uh, so in the military, we had, um, we had a lot of fun uh, with competition against the Marine Corps and the Air Force and all the other groups, but at the end of the day, uh, we were brothers. All on the same team, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that. And speaking of teams, now your your wife, Teresa, and you, you guys are the area directors. Give me the exact title, Okoye Region. Yeah, so we serve uh, as the area directors for the Okoye Region, which includes four counties. It's Bradley, McMinn, Meigs, and Polk County. And uh, Teresa has been on with us for about three years serving as an administrative assistant. And so she's one, she, she's all the things that I'm not. Uh, yeah. Well, I know your wife, so I actually no. would agree with you, but uh, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, man. Well, I'm delighted that you're here, and we're going to dig into some FCA stuff in just a little bit. But before we do that, I want to ask you, what are you reading now? You know, there's like you're a you're an avid student. You're obviously a Lee alum, but you're an, yeah. an avid student. You're a life learner, and so yeah. what are you reading right now? What what are you intaking that you think other people need to be putting their eyes to? Well, you know, leadership uh, is really the the area that I spend most of my time in reading outside of uh, just biblical study stuff. I mean, I'm reading through Kent Hughes' stuff on uh, Ecclesiastes. Um, it's, uh, uh, you know, for some people it might be a little boring. What I love about Kent Hughes is he he kind of does two things. One, he, he breaks the word down really well, but he's got a pastoral background, so he also tells great stories, so it keeps it... Uh, Really interesting and, and also connects really well. But then uh, outside of that, Mad Dog Mattis, that you should be familiar with, Marine General that uh, wrote a book on uh, right now is on leadership on uh, chaos is mm-hmm. his name. And uh, man just talks about his experiences in the Gulf War leading uh, that charge, uh, you know, into um, a very hostile area of the world, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and and his leadership uh, that came back to Washington and what he did there, and some things that uh, he did to have effective leadership, and so it's a powerful book. Simon Sinek's new book on uh, the Infinite Game sure. is one I'm reading right now, so I'm halfway through both of those, and. Uh, it's interesting. So many of us, we do use finite rules to play in an infinite game, mm-hmm. and uh, he makes it very clear that, particularly in the kingdom of God and, and, and the work that we do, um, you can't 
win. There's no really win or loser uh, in an infinite game. Uh, there's a legacy to be passed on. Mm-hmm. So, And you've been passing that legacy to a lot of folks, man. It's been poured into you, and you're obviously pouring that into a lot of other people. Uh, I'll do a self-promotion just for a minute. My TEDx talk that I did in 2019 was on this whole idea of chaos, and so I'm really digging into this yeah. stuff on chaos and entropy and how can we invest in people's lives and, and make long-term difference, you know, and and you and your wife and your family, man, you, you guys, Teresa, you know, you guys have been here in in our town for a very, very long time, you know. And um, but 10 years ago, God opened the door for you to to launch into this whole FCA thing. And, um, I, you know, I've always had a looming question because I was never really an athlete in school. I guess I was. I was an ROTC guy, so it's almost as much athletic as some of it. We were better mm-hmm. than our football team, actually, so it was kind of <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. But um you know, FCA, so obviously Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So do you have to be a Christian athlete to be a member of FCA? Yeah, no, that's, I mean, obviously our target is the athlete. I mean, that, that's why we're called the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, you know, our strategies to and through the coach. But in our mission statement, we also include these words, and to all whom they influence. Mm. And uh, when you look at um, the athletic uh, field today, you have over 70 million kids involved in organized athletics in America. You put their parents and grandparents together, basically you've got three-fourths of America involved in a sporting activity Mm -hmm. every single week. Mm So we just see the platform as being tremendous to communicate the gospel. Uh, what would it look like if every coach coached the heart behind the jersey mm. uh, that didn't tie sport into just being a, uh, a place to, to validate uh, young men and women, but uh, where their identity got wrapped up in the sport, but really saw a way to, to uh, acknowledge the gifts and talents and affirm them whether they played well or didn't play well. But mm-hmm. uh, coach beyond the physicality of sport, got to the to the emotive and also really the spiritual level of sport. And uh, I think God really originally intended it to be fun. And uh, th- the lack of margin and the competition today has, has uh, robbed, I think, sport of joy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're, we're trying to help reinfuse some of that. I love to win as much as anybody else does. Sure you do. Uh, but, but winning the right way means a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So, so this whole idea, you know, you mentioned what your vision is kind of of FCA and what you guys do with that regard. So is there something more than just what you see at the, at the actual school? So, you know, you hear these terms, mm-hmm. FCA huddles, right? I have no yeah. idea what that looks like. Yeah. You know, I've never been to an FCA huddle. Yeah. I, don't know anything about that, but what does it mean, and, and, and what is there more than the school? So when a kid comes, they participate early in the morning or afternoon or whatever, you know, what is there going on for them for the rest of the, the their time, yeah. the rest of their life? Yeah, most people have a very limited scope of what FCA is. So they went to one maybe when they were middle school or high school, and, and perhaps the leadership at that time wasn't really strong internally in that school, and so they only see that component. We have – our mission incorporates four Cs. Okay. So those four C's include the coach, which is our strategy, to and through the coach. It includes the campus. How well are we connecting with students on that campus, empowering young leaders uh, to lead their peers, uh, to, to, you know, to walk it out their faith in the particular sport they play <laughs> and make an impact on their own peers. And then we also talk about the community, like how are we embracing the community, how are we developing community partners, how are we engaging volunteers who could serve the local schools. Um, 
And, and then camps. Uh, you know, people don't realize we had over 120,000 students involved in camps across America. And then, and then outside, people don't realize we're an international ministry as well. We're sure. in 82 nations of the world. We have staff in over 64 nations of the world. And uh, recently, I got a chance to go over and embrace uh, the country of Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. We have our very first staff person, Shalame Bekel, soccer coach, who's um, man making a huge difference right there in Addis Ababa, the capital city of Ethiopia. And so, um, yeah, FCA is a lot bigger than just uh, what we traditionally call a huddle is a few students who meet together before school, maybe mm-hmm. a couple teachers or a coach will join them. But even our campus huddle is different today. So we have multiple kinds of huddles. We have team huddles where we uh, work with local youth pastors and other leaders in our community. We have grandmothers and grandfathers who serve as uh, character coaches on teams. And so once a week, 15 minutes prior to practice or a game, they might do a a devotion in the locker room or out on the field or the basketball court or wherever that may be. And then they just drop by as often as possible to a practice or, or, or go on a game. And some of them have actually wear all the the gear, and they get on the bus with them and travel with them. But uh, so we're also involved in really connecting the, the local church and um, and connecting community leaders and, and and people to serve on on the campus. So those four C's are are really what makes up FCA. Mm-hmm. So there's also this thing called um, fields of faith. You yeah, know, that's that's a that's a big deal. I mean, we see it here in our in our county. You know, where we're at locally in East Tennessee. But I mean, this is kind of a global effort. So. How did Fields of Faith start? What is that? It kind of reminds me of the old, um, long time ago, and I'm going to date our ages here, right, yeah. of the Promise Keepers movement many, many years ago. You know, this was something that just kind of launched, and all of a sudden, it just absolutely went viral, man, and it's, it's changing yeah. people's lives. So um, paint a picture for us for what Fields of Faith looks like. So one of our national leaders just felt like, what would it look like if you could empower students in their local community to bring people together across denominationally and really reach the unreached group of, of people in their schools, but bring them to a non-threatening environment like a campus, uh, particularly out in the stadium, and uh, rally people together. And then one, to encourage them to spend time on the Word, the Josiah generation, when a young king uh, found uh, the scrolls and basically for 24 hours solid read the scripture and uh, revival struck the land of Israel. And so basically that's part of that process with fields of faith is reengaging students. Uh, there's a lot of people that have Bibles in their homes, but they're not engaging the word. And so we created an online version of uh, devotional material that's that uh, comes to their phone, but um, at Fields of Faith, it is primarily peer-to-peer uh, empowerment of students. We'll bring in somebody to speak and do character education assemblies that may be the highlight speaker. But as far as moderating the service to doing some of the worship to testimonials, those are primarily students, mm-hmm. and uh, it's encouraging to see them step up in a big way at Fields of Faith. I mean, ten years ago, we started. It was at Walker Valley High School. I think we had less than 100 people at pouring down rain. We had to move inside. It wasn't even a field of faith. It was a it was a, the it hall was of faith. A, yeah, the hall <laughs> of faith. And uh, it's really kind of uh, thought about maybe shutting it down. And you know, we said we'll do it one more year. Got some of the youth ministry network involved, mm-hmm. and this thing has grown, uh, William. Now, uh, last year we had over 6,500. 
people between two locations, mm-hmm. you know, show up to Fields of Faith with well over two. That's just in a local area. Here. Yeah, just here. Right. Yeah, we had did one at uh, Bradley Central High School Stadium, one over at McMinn Central uh, Stadium as well, and uh, and saw literally over three hundred students make commitments to Christ that night. And mm-hmm. uh, we follow up with the local church and have a new system of follow-up that's really cool with uh, they register uh, their commitment online and immediately we're able to pump that out to local youth pastors and say, let's let's disciple these kids. Let's go after them. Mm-hmm. So. Let's talk about the power of story for just a minute. So what what's a real, you're watching this thing, right? You're watching this thing from a creator, from a developer, you know, from an implementer, basically all these things. But But tell us a story. Tell us a transformation moment, you know, where where you've seen this is more than just the huddle. It's more than just the fields of faith. God uses that moment to really impact somebody's life. Give us a give us a picture of that. There's so many stories, uh, William. Man, I'd love to go back in the very beginning when I started meeting with about six coaches from Cleveland High School. And, you know, at first I was the other guy. I was uh, – it was – a study that was led by a former FCA guy out of Chattanooga that actually uh, is our multi-area director. And when they saw Robert Green, they're like, who is this guy? And uh, just sharing a few stories, you know, getting involved in their lives, all of a sudden there's just such good connection. And you just look at just that group and what's happening today. You had a coach out of that group mm-hmm. who basically gave me the Heisman uh, with, with a hand uh, in my chest and really didn't want to hear much of what I had to say and wound up being his chaplain. Now, man, this guy's built a school in Nicaragua. Uh, it's a ministry school. He's uh, got he, you know his leadership team off of his football at Heritage High School down in Georgia. That he sends on a missions trip every year, twice a year. I mean, this guy's just doing incredible things for the kingdom of God and uses his role as as a coach as a platform, man, mm-hmm. not just to. Uh, you know, not just to have a state championship, although he's taken these guys and has done incredible things with them, you know, from the standpoint of their success on the field, but it's mm-hmm. off the field mm-hmm. that, uh, that he's do, just doing incredible things. And then several other coaches that were in that group, you know, from Jason McCowan to Eric Phillips to Donnie Yates, who now serves on our team as he's you know, retired. I used to be Donnie's chaplain oh, when I, I was know. over at Peter's Church, <laughs> man, a, you know, for his football team. It's just wild. the middle. But to see a, a holistic story – I'll take you to another coach a couple of years ago in McMinn County High School, a guy named Bo Cagle. Bo had kind of lost direction with his faith. Uh, started a three-dimensional coaches study, mm-hmm. how to coach the heart behind the jersey. Mm-hmm. And uh, within about four sessions, man, Bo just absolutely has this encounter with his faith, with his coaching. With the he knew the X's and O's, but really didn't know the Y. Mm. He lost his Y. Mm-hmm. So we're sharing one morning. What's your game changing moment in coaching? And he said, "Listen, he had been pretty quiet up to that point. He had about nine or ten coaches that were joining that study, and he said, Robert, I got to tell you, this has been a game changing moment for me. I'm a better man. Mm. I'm a better husband." I'm a better father, mm-hmm. and I'm a better coach. And you look at it three years later, you know, uh, you know, last year he took his team to the, you know, and state tournament, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. did well, uh, you know, but had a couple of tough seasons in the process. But, but more importantly, he reconciled with another coach, a crosstown rival coach that he struggled with, and God brought them back together. And then he took his kids on a – uh, FCA coaches, uh, or I should say the FCA um, football uh, camps that were in Tennessee Tech and Carson Newman. And, man, he's had over 30 of his football players 
come to Christ. Mm. And last year, wow. we did uh, we did our second one there in McMahon County, and his quarterback they've been holding out for a while. He'll tell you the most defining moment, mm. and, and they were nine and zero, oh, first oh. time in history since the seventies. Yeah. And you'll say if you want to, you know, if you ask him what what's the most successful thing about this year, he'd say, "Fields of Faith, mm-hmm. October tenth, our quarterback down on the field said yes to Jesus, and all his offensive linemen that had previously made yeah. decisions for faith were just snotting and crying all around him, man, because mm-hmm. the quarterback finally surrendered his life to Christ. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's 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 a story, man. That just, um, I mean, we went to all the way with him to where he appeared before his church, and we did what we call a commissioning service. Mm-hmm. He read its transformational purpose statement, this is why I coach, backed by his life verse, and then the people in this congregation, a Methodist church right off the campus of T- Tennessee Wesleyan, extended their hands towards him and prayed over him mm-hmm. that all that God had called him to do as a coach, wow. he would do. Mm-hmm. And he sees his role or his position as a coach, not just a job mm-hmm. or a vocation, but he sees it as a calling, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the story. So, and and that's and that's a powerful story. And I remember you telling me that yourself one time earlier. But you know, it seems like that that faith is under attack in a lot of ways in our culture, in our country. You know, in particular in the United States and in North America. But um, what are ways that you're seeing this whole influence of FCA? impacting people who have no faith reference whatsoever, you know, because I'm sure that there's got to be opposition. I mean, you've got to be hitting opposition anytime that you're approaching the kingdom of darkness, you know, you're going to be hitting opposition, but, but I knowing you, like I know you and having, you know, knowledge of your history and your life, you're not just touching kids. You're also changing the lives of these coaches, you know, who, who maybe have had a, tragedy in their life, in their own family, or whatever the case may be. But what are some ways that you guys are overcoming this faith struggle and and these football players like this kid who's, you know, on his knees on the field praying to God, but then yet he's living this thing out for the next year, two year, five year, ten years now. Does that question make sense? Yeah, How are we addressing this faith crisis? Well, you know, I, I, gosh, man, that's such a tough uh, and good question at the same time. I mean, we have experience in FCA, different pockets of the country, and right here in Tennessee, and even right here in our area with uh, <clears throat> one of our local schools and prayer on the intercom and the football sure. game. And so, yeah, there's different groups out there that um, really struggle over the question of church and state and, and uh, you know, and how, how those things um, mesh together. I will tell you that FCA has been around since 1954. Yeah, it's a while. 1956 had our first camp, and then really in the 70s started our campus-based ministry. And we are one of the few organizations that built enough trust in the educational system that we still have a mm-hmm. place at the table in mm-hmm. the schools. Um, I don't see – I see a, in the near future that that's probably going to be taken away from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, along the journey, we pray. We try to be smart. I mean, we, we don't, listen, we don't want to – uh, I've, I've worn, you know, I've talked to some coaches and said, let's let's not be silly and let's not do something that would that would remove our access, to, mm-hmm. you know, to a local campus. I mean, there's there's a uh, a call for us to be as wise as serpents and gentle sure. as a dove, and mm-hmm. so we try to do that. Even 
removing the idea of the word chaplaincy with our mm-hmm. guys. We call them character coaches. Mm-hmm. It's not because we're scared or intimidated, but man, we we, we want to be good partners, mm-hmm. uh, you know, along the process. And so, yeah, um, understanding the student bill of rights, the you know, and equal access rights, you know, all those things. What what teachers can and can't do. Mm-hmm. We try to you know make sure they stay within those guidelines, and mm-hmm. we give that kind of. You know, obviously, if a coach says, "Listen, if it costs me my job, I'm willing to my faith and 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 you know my stance." What often my response to that is, "Hey, don't don't give it up just because you know mm-hmm. uh, you, you, at least you still have a voice there." So sure. let's let's try to play within the boundaries as much as possible. But yeah, I mean, there's going to be a day where there's mm-hmm. going to be some defining moments. Well. Uh, that that are going to make it even tougher, but we so right now what we're doing actually next week there's a national um, training for all of the FCA staff on mm-hmm. exactly what each state and each area in terms of what we're allowed mm-hmm. to do on those campuses, and so we try to try to really commit to that. When we do character education assemblies, I make it very clear to all of our speakers: don't say anything about faith. Mm-hmm. It's it's about character education. Mm-hmm. And then outside of that, if we invite them to another event like Fields of Faith, obviously that environment set for that. And so, see, and, and that's such a powerful moment. But here's what I think the Lord is doing. I recently spoke at a state school, you know, in another state uh, university, and um, didn't mention anything about faith. Didn't mention anything about God. Didn't mention anything about the cross. You know, any of those things that I'm very passionate about and committed to. I just gave a 35-minute motivational speech on the idea of impacting other people's lives, you know. And at the end of that, this guy walks up to me and, you know, he told me, he said, I didn't really learn anything new in your speech. Not that that was good or bad. I don't know. But he said, but I did feel conviction in my own heart. Mm. You know, I thought, man, if we're living this thing and we're really modeling this, let's trust the Spirit. Let's trust God to make up the difference in some of the other areas, you know, that we can't really formulate. Yeah, and I think most of the schools, they see our work and our mm-hmm. role in trying to help coaches. I mean, when we do three-dimensional coaching, what we're telling them is, listen, hey, it's not just about the faith thing, although that we believe what, what drives it, the principles are in the Scripture. Mm-hmm. But when they really start to discover how to help kids with uh, things like, you know, their identity, sure. uh, their self-worth, uh, when they care more about what's going on in their home, not just what's going out, what's happening on the, on the field. Mm-hmm. And they start to invest relationally. Man, most administrators worth their salt, Absolutely. Christian or non-Christian, yeah. are going to say, thank you, FCA, for yeah. taking some time to make an investment that way in our coaches. Yeah. You know? And so we're, we're seeing that. And that, that buys us some, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some trust with them and also gives, gives us an opportunity to be a little bit more flexible with our, with our faith encounter. Good. So, Robert, let's dig in for just a minute, uh, a little bit more personal to you, because I, um, you're the kind of guy who can do anything you want to do. I mean, you could go tomorrow and get a job anywhere you wanted to get it. You know, I mean, it's 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 true. It's who you are. You know, um, you're gifted. You're talented. You could pastor a church somewhere. You could lead a national network of, of ministry. You know, you could probably sell ice to an Eskimo. You could do anything you want to do, right? You, you have that skill set. Why FCA? Why, why did you dig in 10 years ago and say, this thing is basically null, and I've got to work my guts out, spend everything I've got personally, and beg somebody else to spend theirs with me, mm. and now you're, you know, four counties, 26 schools, stories, transformational after transformation. Why did you and Teresa decide this is what we're going to commit the next time of our life, however long that's going to be? 
Well, I mean, I've always loved athletics. I've always been involved in athletics. Um, and, and even as you alluded to earlier in the military, with teamwork, there's there's so many things that are similar in, in those concepts mm-hmm. as well. But I just see, I, I guess, really, Billy Graham said it so well. Um, end of his ministry experience, he was uh, there's a coach in Black Mountain, North Carolina girls coach that was doing a phenomenal job as a coach. And he said he felt this call to ministry and coaching, and said he thought he would he's going to leave and go to seminary. And Billy Graham made a statement to him. He said, "Listen, your your role and impact as a high school girls basketball coach, you're impacting more lives than most will in a lifetime." Mm-hmm. Which came a quote from that mm-hmm. that has now been used by FCA around the world and others. But he said, "A coach will impact more lives in one year than most will in a lifetime." And he encouraged him to keep doing what he was doing how to invade the culture with Christ. And, uh, and so we just see, listen, we, I, I, without question, I think that sports is the, is the best platform for propagating the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. When I was in Africa working with four of our coaches, I can't even give you their names or necessarily all their locations, but they were from different parts of some um, uh, 99.9% Muslim countries mm-hmm. who told me, in a, in a room that sport was the only way to get the gospel in their nation mm. wow. and to which they are presently being persecuted and uh, threatened. And, you know, several of their family members have been killed and, and man, they just courageously continue to share the gospel and they do it as uh, soccer coaches mm-hmm. who go in these refugee camps and the Sudan and over in Eritrea the, mm-hmm. and over in the Congo and several different places around the country, mm-hmm. a, around the nation of Africa, the continent of Africa, I should say. And, and man, just to hear, hear that, that sport still is that, um, one of those giant, um, you know, platforms that can be used to make a difference. I mean, we even know it when Tim Tebow back in the day, and mm-hmm. you know, when I came up from Gainesville, Florida, but uh, but but when old Tim Tebow decided to wear John three sixteen up yeah. on his eye black and destroyed the uh, you know the Florida State Seminoles, uh, yep. it made such a such a difference uh, around the world. And how many people Google to find out what did John three sixteen? Yeah. You know, several million. He's exactly. like, I can't believe that many people didn't know what John three sixteen yeah. said, but. You just see the platform of sport as a, as a great opportunity to connect people to the life-giving message of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, I would be amiss to not talk about marathon running for just a minute, because while you're a really fast marathoner and I'm a slow marathoner, we both still get the same medal when we cross the line, That's right? That's right. That's right. Um, so this journey— I just heard a lot more, I think. You heard a lot more. Yeah, you're younger <laughs> than me, though, too, Robert, so that's probably a little helpful. But uh, actually, man, I got a confession to make. I ran, you know, three—, ha- three I ran five halves and one full in 2018. I ran nothing in 2019. So mm. 2020, I'm digging back in, going for the Marine Corps again to be oh, number good. five. So so what have you learned from your running days that you can, you know, we're getting ready to end this episode in just a few minutes, but what have you learned from your running days that you can encourage people with to understand the power of endurance in this faith journey? Yeah, there's a psalm that says to uh, for us to run in the path of His commands. Mm-hmm. I use that often. Uh, when I run, I run more on purpose. Um, I have always used running as a quiet space. Uh, you know, rest and Sabbath for some people is, you know, taking a fishing rod and getting out on a still lake and 
throwing it out there. And not that I don't mind doing that, but for me, it's getting out and running 13 miles mm-hmm. or or so in a quiet space and then praying. Uh, for a while, I had my quarterback coach at one of the schools that I served as a chaplain. I had uh, a, a quarterback sleeve, and I would <coughs> type out all the um, – prayer requests I had during that month and I would slide it into that quarterback oh, wow. sleeve and so I would run as I you know run I'd pray and a lot of times I'm really quiet a lot of guys give me a hard time so I'm quiet when I run a lot of guys like to talk I run by myself you run and, with a group yeah and so I, I get ahead of them and, I, and and then they they when they say why are you so quiet and I say well I'm praying for people and when I pass by Lee University I pray for you I when I run down this at least two or three times a week, I'm running through this area. And so it reminds me to pray specifically for people and their dreams and goals and passions and concerns and desires. And so um, I, I use that. Um, but uh, I think it could be for many people. And, and you know, the, the benefit of staying, being a good steward of the temple they gave me mm-hmm, you know, So mm-hmm. uh, as well. But uh, just enjoy running. One of the ways I learned to get through my marathons is I take the bill of my cap that I wear and I dedicate each particular mile to a particular prayer target, you know, mm-hmm. and so I That's still good. have those hats from those races that uh, it's all sweaty and blurry now, you know, but I've got that hat that has yeah. those uh, 26, you know, the point two that's a given. I'm just praying all the way through that one, but, you know, put 26 different prayer targets on there. And so I think it works. Years ago, you inspired me. I want to kind of close with this and then we'll ask, give people a way to reach you. But years ago, you inspired me with, um, this whole idea of a soap journal, you know, mm-hmm. and you said to me something that I'm going to reveal it to the world now, and I hope I don't get in trouble for that. But uh, you said to me, you know, that that your soap journal, you didn't get a release from the Lord or permission from the Lord to share publicly any of those journal entries mm-hmm. because they were very personal to you. Do you remember that conversation? I do. I absolutely do. Yeah. How has that impacted your life now, four years later almost? Yeah, I, I tell everybody and listen, every coach, uh, I lead four coaches studies. You know, I have about 60 guys tracking with me. I lead a thing called the Caveman's Club. I've which been is, there. Which is another men's ministry event uh, with another 30, 40 guys that track with me. And and one of the things I challenge them with is if you were to, as an athlete, one of the things that um, athletes know that are that are consistent is the core is very important. And so for me – about 10 years ago, one of the practices, really I started when I started with FCA, was a consistent journaling process as I read through the Word in a year. And uh, just to give you a, uh, an incident, even 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 the last few months, it was pretty incredible thought about this. I'm, I'm flying into Ethiopia, first time over there, trying to decide whether this is supposed to be a long-term ministry opportunity for me and, and, and my role with FCA. We touched down in West Africa and Togo, and um, getting ready to 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 fly out to to Addis Ababa, and I'm reading out of Jeremiah, and I just so happens my reading day that day flying into Ethiopia is as an Ethiopian can't change wow. his color nor a leopard his spots. Wow! And here's the thought I had, William, was the consistency of staying in God's word. Yeah. He's going to speak 95% of the time to you mm-hmm. through the Word. But then there's special moments like this where I was trying to decide in December. Mm-hmm. There's 7 billion people on the planet. I'm trying to decide in December what reading plan I should use. I chose the Discipleship Navigator's plan on that particular year, but I remember going through a bunch of them trying to figure out which one I was going to use that year. So he knew all the way back in December. Mm-hmm. 
as I'm trying to decide what reading plan, that on this day, September 27th, I would be flying into Ethiopia, mm -hmm. and this would be the journal entry to mm -hmm. confirm my calling to be involved in Africa and Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. And he just landed on that day. Coincidence? No way. no way. It's God setting that up. And so I would encourage everybody to find a systematic plan for engaging the Word. Um, my daughters one day will pick up journals. Mm -hmm entries, mm -hmm. thousands of them at this point, and see how I prayed for them, uh, the scripture, the observation, the application, the prayer that was written down for them. And it'll be something I'll leave them with. I'm holding one of mine in my hand right now, because since that day four years ago, I've been inspired to do the same thing, you know, and I, and I dig into that. I, I have at my house an old briefcase. It's a briefcase I gave my dad when I was 16 years old. My dad was a graduate of the sixth grade. He quit school in the sixth grade back in the Depression days to be able to fend for his family. And in that old suitcase are folded pieces of um, eight and a half by 11 paper that folds into four sides. And it's the messages that my dad preached on those days. He was a pastor. each, So you had four pieces of that, four uh, sides of that paper and four Sundays in a month. And that's all I have of my dad's ministry days left. But I have that briefcase and I have those memories. And so one day mm. your girls and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren down the road will be able to pick that up. Wow. And, but I want to encourage you, Rob, because not only are you doing that for those who carry your bloodstream in them, but you also have done that for countless numbers of other people like myself and literally mm. probably thousands of others who can't get access to tell you the difference that you've made in their life. And mm. so I champion that today and, and say to you and Teresa, thanks for... Um, overcoming the difficult days and the attempts of the enemy to destroy your life or mm -hmm. your willingness to let God do his work. You have Amen. been a instrument of peace to tons and tons of other people, man. And I just want to tell you countless numbers of people that when you get to heaven one day, Cliff Schimmel used to tell me this. Yeah. He said, you know, in a hundred years, he said, my name won't mean anything, but my commitment will have, mm. you know, and the commitment that you're making that other people are now making their commitments because inspired by yours, God's counting that, my friend. So Appreciate that hope so much, that. It's been great so, being with you today. Yeah. Tell us how people can get a hold of you. Somebody wants sure. to email you. They want to call you. They want to send a check. They want to support. I mean, you have to raise all the funds for this. I mean, yeah. this is a fundraising ministry as well as, you know, a giving ministry. So how do yeah. people reach out to you? Yeah, we're missionaries on the middle school, uh, high school, and college campuses. That's exactly what we are. We raise every, every dime uh, for the ministry from our president on down, 13 years in a row. Charity Navigator has given us a four-star. We're in the top 1% of all mm -hmm. groups, and partly is, is because of our stewardship of what God resources he gives us. So, yeah, if you're interested in, and not just in terms of giving, but uh, we love to empower people and give ministry away and give opportunities. So, Ocoee, F-C-A, O-C-O-E-E, F-C-A dot Org is, uh, is our website. It's got all the information on how to get connected to us, um, to serve on a local campus and ministry leader application forms. All those things are there. Uh, if you even had a thought of a future with FCA and getting involved and serving in this capacity, and um, man, we'd love to talk with you as well. But um, R Green, just like the color, at fca.org is my email. And uh, be happy to connect with anybody who's interested. Good deal. Hey, listen, man, just in a minute, I want you to pray. Before I do, let me make a couple of other comments. As always on ServeCast, you'll be reminded that you're made for more. We believe that you can make impact in this world of chaos that can be long-lasting in someone else's life. 
You've heard our guest today and the stories of his transformational um, investment in the lives of other people and how that he and his wife, Teresa, are making impact in um, middle school, high school, and college students all around our area and literally across the globe. So I encourage you to reach out to Robert and Teresa and, and make a gift, a donation if you can, support them. But I want you to pray, Robert. And at the end of Robert's prayer, we're going to provide another um, Lee University song for you to be able to listen to, to uh, just kind of contemplate what you might be thinking during this, after listening to this episode today. But Robert, I want you to pray today. I believe in your power of prayer. I, I know your life. I've watched it. I witness it. And I want people who live like you to be praying for us. And so yeah, uh, would you pray for our listeners today? Sure we're, we're being heard now in 30 nine 38 or 39 countries wow. and so uh, we're we're you know getting getting this out to a lot of places and um obviously the southeast in, in north america in the u.s is is our largest population of listeners but i just feel like if you would pray today for whoever might be listening to this episode that god would in fact mm-hmm. um you've written a lot of prayers so pray for yeah. one for us today okay we'll do it well father we come to you in the name of jesus we're grateful for the access and also the opportunity to come boldly And Father, we're thankful for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and the ministry that it has, not just here in the Okoye region, but around the world. Uh, We're thankful for the way that you use sport, and sport can be used as a platform to share the love of Jesus uh, with countless thousands and to all whom they influence. And Father, today perhaps there's an athlete out there that's discouraged, that's struggling, that's uh, hurt, uh, just trying to figure life out. We pray, God, that you would send a coach, a chaplain, someone in their arena or sphere of life, God, that would encourage them in their journey. Maybe there's a coach struggling, and um, they've heard about how to coach the heart behind the jersey, but they're not really sure what that's all about. We pray that, Father, that they would move from being transactional to transformational, and that, God, they would rediscover their why of coaching. And, Lord, that would impact not just their season, but it would impact the lives of those that they get to serve every day. Lord, also we lift up to you the church. Uh, Thank you, Father, for our role with them and the way that they are able to take many of those who come to know you as Savior and as Lord through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and then be discipled in those local churches for pastors and youth pastors to see the role and the partnership that could be made. And Father, for guys like Dr. Lamb and William, who's just uh, continuing to speak into the lives of so many people around the world. We pray for this uh, ministry of this podcast that will continue to raise up and equip leaders to lead into uh, the next century, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.